Welcome to This Much Love, a recurring positivity podcast with Katie Hearth and Keenan Schneider. Episode 4, A Style Guide for Dogs. I feel great. Yeah? Right now. Why right this feel, very second. Why do you feel so great? Because we decided to call an audible for reasons that will become clear oh, yeah. at some point. <laughs> uh to do soul cycle today and if you've listened dear listener to our previous episodes you know that saturdays are a soul cycle day well, i don't know do we specify that and but either no, way i was just gonna didn't. say like episode two was the soul cycle episode right and we were very excited about it we well are and we can we were and we continue to we be can, excited about it <clears throat> so we did soul cycle this morning yes just got back unwinding Sweaty, damp. Beautiful. That's just that's yep, me. Mm-hmm. I'm just a, a damp, wet boy. Oh God. Um, and meanwhile, <laughs> I'm like bundled in my my Columbia fleece. Yeah. And just long pants. Trying to stay warm. <laughs> well, I mean, you we're know. gonna build a little campfire in the recording studio. Just please, to... no. This is not our property. Mm. Either way, what I was going to say is not only do I feel good because of Soul Cycle, uh-huh. but I also like. I have thought this before, but I had a particular moment today where I was drinking my Fairlife chocolate milk, (laughs) and I realized just how goddamn much I love Fairlife chocolate milk. I know you weren't going to ask me that question today. But we can cover it. Micro, micro, okay, wait, wait, wait. Micro love. Dugga, 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 dugga. No. (laughs) They're going to sue us. They're going to be like, no. We're not gaining any money for this. Well, yeah, I know. But on principle, they should oh, sue please. us. Well, okay. Then they also need to sue you and Nate and Klein because Shh. the three of you do it all Shut the time. The An up. accidental podcast ha- podcast. I don't have money to cover all these lawsuits. <laughs> um, so, so, so then we should really draw our attention to ourselves with an episode title that you were considering for episode three, two, three. Episode three. Yes. I want to be Merlin Mann. Yeah. Don't do that because I was just going to draw attention to this issue. Eh, you know. Um, he won't ever notice me. It's fine. Oh, that's really sad. I know. Never say never, babe. Anyway, Fairlife Chocolate Milk. Mm-hmm. Not sponsored by them in any way, shape, or form. We are not. But delicious. Also a local business. Oh, yeah. They're based out of Chicago, right? Mm. Or Chicago suburb? I've, yeah, they're somewhere in like Illinois. Illinois, Wisconsin, something like that. They're pretty close. So either way, I think the reason why I like Fairlife so much is, one, I'm a huge chocolate milk fan. Mm -hmm. And it's lactose-free, which is very friendly for our lactose-intolerant friends. And chock full of protein. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it like... It's ultra-filtered, no lactose, so it's low sugar, (laughs) high protein. Definitely not. 19 grams of protein (laughs) per eight full-ounce glass. (laughs) Definitely not sponsored by them in any way, shape, or form. Or no, maybe it's less than that. I think it's like 19 grams per like 12 ounces or something like that. It's still still pretty high for a chocolate milk. (laughs) Listen, I was counting my macros earlier this year, and so that is why I I know this vaguely. (laughs) So... (laughs) I just wanted to talk about how much I like chocolate milk <laughs> and you're going freaking like Rain Man on me. I'm not going Rain Man on you. I'm just saying that it's like people people don't know about it and they're like, what is this yeah. milk that costs $5 per half gallon? Yeah. And I'm just saying it is some of the tastiest chocolate milk I've ever had, period. period. 
And it also makes me feel better about drinking it than any other chocolate milk I've ever had. Yes. That's what, like, for me, the point that I want to drive home is that I love the, I love chocolate milk. I've always loved chocolate milk. Chocolate milk is great. And I love that as an adult, I can just go and be like, you know, I'm fucking having chocolate milk. Yeah, I know. And it can be garbage chocolate milk, like a Yoohoo, which isn't really even chocolate milk. It's It's like like a chocolate chocolate water. It's like a chocolate beverage. I don't even know what, I forget how they describe it. It's not great. But every once in a while, you know, I'll stop in the 7-Eleven or if we're driving on a road trip and making a gas station stop, it's like, you know, it's Yoohoo time. But Fair Life, because it's like, you know, there's so much protein. I'm like, oh, if I have this after Soul Cycle or after you know we go to the gym or something, it's like mm-hmm. that feels good. It's a very easy post workout protein yeah. snack because I know plenty of people who like don't want to like really seriously like chow down after they do intense cardio. Totally. Um, but it is important to get protein like within like a half an hour to 45 minutes of the end of your workout. Um, so Fair Life is something that like I recommend to a lot of people as like a post workout. Little beverage. The only drawback, really, in this context, is that we decided to record right after we drank a bunch of Fair Life, and so now I'm just like chocolate milk throat. Mm. Ugh. After I said that, I immediately regretted it, and that might be the episode title. <laughs> mm. Anyway, I just wanted to go on a quick little chocolate milk tangent. I appreciate you plugging your time. Wait, what? I don't know. Like. You you taken taken the stage and being like it's me time. This is my time. My podcast. I can do what I want. Motherfucker. Um, so <laughs> we're really earning that explicit tag today. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'll drop a bunch of f bombs up in her. <laughs> I really also wanted to drive home through that example. How white we sound. Oh yeah. I love Soul Cycle and my chocolate milk, my Fair Life milk, which yep. is ultra filtered and high, low, no lactose, and it's ultra protein. Mm-hmm. How much do you love being self-aware? <laughs> That's not actually a question. My actual question, which ties back into why we decided to do Soul Cycle today, mm-hmm. not that we have to go into the history. I mean, I feel like it's important to explain that we record this show on Sundays. And typically our soul cycle day is Saturday. Sure. And we had to change that this weekend. Yeah. Because you were showing dogs. I was. I was so, showing dog. Showing dog. Yeah. You were at a dog show showing dog. Yeah. Luca. So my question for you, mm-hmm. Catherine. Yes, G. Keenan. <laughs> how much do you love dog shows? Let me rephrase. How much do you love showing dogs? Thank you. Because those that's are two different things. That's an important <laughs> distinction. <laughs> I love showing dogs. So to provide some context, I recently turned 29, um, which makes which marks 19 years of showing dogs wow. for me. Um, the first question I get is often like, who in your family shows dogs because this tends to be a family sport. And when you start doing something when you're 10 years old, it's usually because somebody else in your life does it. Uh, But with me, the answer is no one in my family shows dogs. I started showing dogs when I was 10 
because my mom really wanted to get a dog for the family. I had had dogs growing up. We took a few years off after some heartbreak, losing a couple of dogs um, throughout the course of, of a few years. And it was time. And she did some research and she settled on, she narrowed it down to two dogs, two dog breeds, because she really wanted to get something that she could go to a reputable breeder. She wanted to kind of have a good a good sense of what to expect. The dog that we had had prior was a rescue. We had tried going that route. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was so sweet to me, but she was aggressive towards my younger sister and her friends, mm-hmm. um, which was an immediate no-no um, because they were like four or five. And so I think after that heartbreak of that experience of getting a dog and having to bring her back due to aggression issues, my mom really wanted to have a good understanding of of temperament and what to expect, which is why we went the purebred dog route. Uh, we ended up going to, I'm sorry, did I say what dogs we narrowed it down to? Did I go on like a meandering? I didn't say. <laughs> so my mom narrowed it down to two dog breeds. Bearded Collies and Bernie's Mountain Dogs. And it was because they were both really good family dogs, very happy. Bearded Collies are more of a medium-sized dog, but very long coat and a herding dog, so a little bit more high energy. Bernie's Mountain Dogs, um, much bigger, less lengthy coat, but thick, double-layered coat. Uh, And they also tended to have a shorter lifespan on average. So there were pros and cons to both breeds. This is just a lot of dog history. We're not really getting into dog shows and showing dogs here. But the point is, is that in order to kind of see these dogs in action before making a commitment to any breeder or doing like that research, because that takes some serious time, we were living um, in the San Francisco Bay Area at the time, and we ended up going to uh, dog show in the area mm-hmm. and we like wanted to make sure that we could check out the Bernie's Mountain Dogs and the Bearded Collies and like all this stuff and I was 10 or nearly 10 and my sister was nearly 6 and we went to the show and I don't really remember seeing the board, the Bearded Collies to be honest we found some Bernie's Mountain Dogs that were done showing and this woman had like a couple of males and we were like hey like can we see your dogs and she was like yeah of course like please like you know sit down and like you know say hello and this male his name was Morgan as soon as I sat down he just like laid down and like laid in my lap basically Mm -hmm. this huge like 115 pound (laughs) dog like in 10 year old Katie's lap yeah And my mom was just done. She was just done. She was like, this is the dog that I want. I want this breed, you know, everything. So she started talking to this woman. I think her name was Cynthia. And she was like, oh, yeah, like he has a litter due in like a week. And there are likely some puppies that are not spoken for. And like, here's the information for the woman who owns the mother and like, you know, all this stuff. And so we got in touch with that woman. She was just like, yeah, we do have like, you know, we will have likely some puppies that are not currently spoken for. Let's be in touch. And you can come see the litter when they're ready to see people. Uh, We got this dog eventually, this male. 
at the time, I was very obsessed with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Shout out to Klein. Um, and I <laughs> and we ended up naming him Aslan because he was like this big lion of a dog, or he was going to be. At the time, he was very small. Um, and my neighbor, a few houses down, she had golden retrievers, and I was very close with her because she had like three golden retrievers. And during like the summer, I would be her walking buddy to help her like exercise the dogs and that was like really rewarding for me um and as it turned out i didn't really understand or know this but like she bred golden retrievers and she was into dog shows and she was really into obedience and agility Mm -hmm. but she did also pay a professional handler to exhibit her dogs in confirmation which is where a dog is judged based off of like how well it adheres to its breed standard as posted in like the breed standard manual through the AKC, the American Kennel Club. Um, it like denotes like what the coat should be like, what the coloring should be like, what the size of the dog should be like, what it's like head and its body and its temperament and its eye color and shape and its movement, like everything. It it basically breaks down like this is the ideal version of this particular dog. Yeah. Because if it possesses all of these qualities, then theoretically it should also be able to perform its duty, mm-hmm. whatever that is. So it's a style guide for dogs. Yes. Yes. Uh, So she ended up like talking to my mom and she said, you know, you should really get into dog shows into like obedience, agility or confirmation, like whatever you want. It's a really good way for your dog to be socialized, to have good training, for you to bond with the animal. And it's just like a fun sport. And my mom has some pretty intense stage fright. She does not like to be the center of attention and she does not like to be under public scrutiny. This is not something that you have a problem with. (laughs) No. Um, My sister was also like, like I mentioned, she was like six years old and she also didn't really have a desire to perform or be judged in any way publicly. I, however, was born for this. Um, (laughs) um, And that's because I think I like, I um, pay a lot of credit to my my mom because she was essentially um, a single parent. And when my sister came along, it was very difficult to have a full-time job and take care of my sister and take care of me. Um, And something that helped me stay engaged and also basically was like additional, like, you know, paid watch my child time (laughs) was my mom thrust me into theater and into music at a very young age. So I had basically spent the entirety of my aware life performing for people. Yeah. So my mom encouraged me to do it. I took my puppy, Aslan, out to something called a fun match, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's just for fun. It's not for the actual sport. It's not an actual competition, nothing like that. And he was just a cute ball of fluff. And I was 10, so like, you know... Not at peak cuteness, but close. And <laughs> um, and we ended up getting like, I think it was like second or third place uh-huh. in this little puppy competition. And something else that you may or may not know about me is I'm slightly competitive. Um, no, I, I had no idea. I've, I've never seen this I've, side of I've you. I've aged into it well. <laughs> oh, yeah, of. no, that oh, game of... Come on. 
God. Oh. <laughs> that game of secret Hitler that one time really, uh, really drove that home. Yeah. I have some. <laughs> and also that game of drop mix. My therapist says <laughs> I'm here for the fun. So that's something, that's a mantra I'm trying to like yeah. really just embrace in my and life. And in fairness, in fairness, you're getting really good at it. Thank I you. I will say that. Yeah. It's made, <laughs> it's like that whole, the going into games and stuff just with that in mind yeah. has kind of like set the tone and made things a lot better because i mean because we're both intensely competitive people mm-hmm. so yeah i i get it i feel you yeah but it's also very funny yeah so <laughs> so i'm a little competitive and when i got like a ribbon i basically just accepted my fate that this was going to be a huge part of my life for the rest of my life this is me now yeah that's the way that i tell the story to people if anyone's familiar with bob's burgers i just go like i'm basically like eugene when i'm like this is me now um you know (laughs) so and my mom is also very competitive with her children oh no yeah Mm -hmm. um and she also wanted it to be me now. And I and I know for a fact that I think even at that moment, although it was not the core reasoning for her decision to embrace and accept this life, she was thinking about college applications <laughs> and how this would look really interesting. That's that that's a true fact. Yeah. So anywho, um <laughs> we immediately started entering in shows in order for a a dog to compete they have to be at least six months old Mm -hmm. so we had to wait for a little bit for aslan to get old enough i got some equipment like at the time i had like you know a four foot leather leash which is not like standard dog show lead equipment like there's like different leashes and collars for dogs in the dog show world than there is in the like pet i'm walking my my dog down the street world it's really like that Christopher Guest film, Best in Show. Oh, like, I, I mean, so that sh- <laughs> that movie, I can't remember when that movie came out, but I distinctly remember there being some showing of it. If it wasn't like the original premiere of it, it was like another re-showing of it in a theater near a dog show mm-hmm. one weekend. And this was like years out, like years into my like career yeah. as a handler and like a bunch of people from the dog show community went to go see that movie together yeah and we were just dying yeah we were just dying because it is unbelievably accurate yeah it is farce but it is so close like there's like the 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 couple that shows the shih tzus and we were like oh my god that's dale and like (laughs) fucking dale (laughs) fucking dale and like or or like you know and like the way that like the commentators break it down where like there's one person who really knows what he's there for and knows everything about the dogs and then there's like this other guy who's just like you know there for the fun and and like is really a better TV personality, but clearly has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to the dogs. Like that's every nationally publicized like or like nationally televised dog show. And like the people with with the Weimarian or with Busy Bee, the guy with the Bloodhound, like those are all like dog show archetypes. Yeah. Um. So I think Christopher Guest, like not to go on too much of a tangent, mm-hmm. like as farcical and out there those movies seem like they they take it to the extreme it's satire and it's satire and it's hysterical but there's so much but there's so much truth to it 
there's that's why some, they resonate. Yeah, exactly. That's and and the fact that like I like just like knowing Christopher Guest movies that all of that dialogue is improvised on the spot. <laughs> yeah, is amazing to me. Like there, there's just like there really are. It's just it is very very real. If you have not seen that movie, yeah, do yourself a favor and watch it. Oh yeah, it's, it's just a classic. It really is incredible. So like, this is like a deep dive into the history of like my life with dogs, obviously. But like I very quickly like started showing dogs and then like this woman took me under her wing and like Aslan ended up not being what we call a show quality dog. He was what we call a pet quality dog. He Aww. just, I know, he his markings weren't quite right. His eye color wasn't quite right. His top line wasn't quite right. So his movement wasn't quite right. And like all of these things, he was a wonderful, wonderful dog um, who tragically died when he was four. And uh. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> that's that's the so so when I talk to people about dog shows and like what they mean to me and what they've taught me, it has taught me so much. Like you just think that it's somebody going in and running around in a circle with their with their dog. That might be what the actual like confirmation ring is, possibly, but there is so much work that goes into getting there because you have to like you're asking a, a four legged animal who is who would rather like hang out with you on the couch or play with you or play with the other dogs in the ring to ignore all of that and mm-hmm. to stay focused and to stay still in a particular way to move in a particular way to set themselves like what we, we what we call a free stack in a particular way to provide expression and ears up and like all this stuff and to have like a calm pleasant demeanor throughout all of that and so there is a lot of work that goes into getting any particular dog ready um and then you know, there is like the business side to it that for a lot of people, it's like you get the title on your dog because then the AKC has essentially said your dog is an exceptional representation of this particular mm. breed. So there are, in in being a responsible dog breeder, there are a number of like health checks that you have to go through to make sure that your dog is not a health risk in terms of like when, if you were to breed this dog, like would it pass on problems? So like histio cancer is big. And so you look back in the line to make sure that there isn't any histio there. You go through and you make sure the hips and the elbows get cleared so that there's no indication that there's going to be any kind of dysplasia. You get the check, the eyes checked through something called an OFA to make sure that the eyes are clear and there's no signs of like disease or um, malformation in the eye. You also make sure that your dog doesn't have something called DM, which is degenerative myelopathy. And you can be a carrier, which means that it's only like you have a 50% chance of passing it on or you are affected with it and so then you know that your dog is going to get it which is also heartbreaking and absolutely that you shouldn't you will not breed that dog. And if you are a carrier then um a good rule of thumb is never to breed to another carrier because then you are incre- then you know that you are likely going to get or there's a high chance that your pu- one of those puppies is going to have degenerative myelopathy. 
Um, and so you only breed to a non-carrier so that the worst thing that happens is that you're a carrier, which means that you are not affected with it, but you can pass on that potential. So there are a lot of ethics and rules and regulations and just good standards to adhere to in order to promote the health of the breed in general. And a ton of research being done all of the time to see how can we improve the health of these dogs? How can we practice good breeding so that we do not create more problems or pass on the problems that we already have? And so you learn how to lose dogs. Like you learn how to be present and to love and pour yourself into a particular dog even through the sport and then as soon as you learn that their elbows aren't clear or their hips aren't because you can't test those until a certain age um, or like degenerative myelopathy is a relatively new thing in the breed and so like a lot of people learn that their dogs had it or were carriers and like that's awful yeah and as soon as that happens you stop showing the dog because you're like this is not, I don't want this title. I don't want to presume that I'm going to breed this dog. I will not breed this dog. I will put this dog in a good home with a family that will love this dog and take care of it. In the case of like having something like degenerative myelopathy, breeders will hold on to those dogs because like that's just like a death sentence that you're sending into a home and yeah. that's horrible. Um, And then you give that dog a healthy, good life as long as it has it. And then you do the humane thing when the time comes something else in terms of like so so it's taught me a good work ethic it has taught me how to love and compassionately let go um how not to get hung up on winning because it's about the sport the other thing about like this particular partnership is that it's you and the dog and so if something goes wrong you're not going to blame it on the dog right because the dog is a dog right and is just the, the dog is the prime example of being there for the fun. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, um, something startles the dog or there's a, there's a sudden noise and they kind of lose it. And so it taught me at a very young age how to take accountability, um, that it was a partnership through and through, but that if something went wrong, it was my job to fix it yeah. or to deal with it because, like, I, ca I can't peg it on the dog. And how to work with even the most frustrating partners because there have been several talking dogs talking dogs <laughs> not you um how to how to work with work in a partnership with a with a frustrating match but still be compassionate and so, and people like people don't often ask me this but like in the times like in my life where it's like you know it's like the the icebreaker question like what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten I frequently go back to this story. Um, the woman who took me under her wing, she was a Bernese Mountain Dog person, and she she was not a handler herself, but she had um, top-performing Bernese Mountain Dogs in the nation, and, and that was um, due in part to the excellent handling skills of the people she hired, the McFaddens, Bill and Taffy McFadden. They were both, and I think still are, pretty active in the circuit out in California. And Taffy grew up showing dogs um, from a very young age. So she had been in the business for a long time. Um, and when I was like 12 or 13, 
the Bernie's Mountain Dog that uh, that someone had let me show, he was just getting older and he, he was just tired and I could tell and and it was just time for him to retire and just be a dog. Um, and I had and I really admired Taffy because she had this Cavalier King Charles Spaniel that she showed. And I was like, that's the dog I want. And everyone was like, no, you don't want this dog. Like, not that breed anyway. You don't want this breed of dog. In the junior handling ring, you really want something flashy, something showy, something like a like a golden retriever or a cocker spaniel or like a terrier or like, you know, an Australian shepherd, something that's like really driven and like really wants to perform. I'm really laughing at the fact or the idea that a cocker spaniel is considered flashy. Oh yeah. It's because I when, look at Cocker Spaniels, I'm just kinda like, You're fine. You're a dog. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, that's probably lowest on the totem pole of the things that I've suggested thus yeah. far. But, but like still. something that's a little bit more animated. Yeah. Huh. Um when you see a Cocker <laughs> Spaniel that's like really properly groomed and like they really oh. are the the way that they move it, it really is quite stunning. Anyway, point being <laughs> um I was like, No, I know that this is what I want. And this woman named Patty, she had a stud dog that she had retired. He was like three or four years old. And she was like, you know, he really deserves to have like a family, like a good home. And I would love to see you show him and see if you bond. The dog's name was Harmony. I did not name him. Um, and he and I clicked pretty quickly. She ended up giving him as a gift to me because she was mm-hmm. just like she just really wanted him to have a home and she really wanted him to have an active life. And we did really well to the point where it's like now i see kids with cavalier king charles spaniels in the ring and i'm just like you're welcome Mm -hmm. (laughs) like because like it really was this thing where it's just like truly in california and illinois in the midwest no one no one showed these dogs yeah as kids in the junior handling ring and they're so friendly and so wonderful that they're really really good dogs for kids they just are um anyway so Point being, I started showing Harmony and um, and I would do really well, but not all the time. Um, and I remember coming back to like the setup area where the McFaddens were because they let me share that space with them. And Taffy said, well, how did you do? And I was like disappointed and disgruntled and probably like said something along the lines of like, I don't know, like I got third, whatever. And she said, I didn't ask you what place you got. I asked you how you did. And that's has always stuck with me because it's not necessarily about how you are received or rewarded or given praise by other people. It's about really genuinely checking in with yourself and saying, how did I do? Yeah. And, and that if like you go back and you're like, you know what? I did my best. I made mistakes. Those other kids were on their game. I really did deserve third and I should feel good about that. Like that's that's where I was today. I was but I did my best in the moment. Or saying, you know what? You're right. It doesn't matter what color the ribbon is. How did I do? And so like that would even like there were times when it's just like I knew that I didn't really deserve it. Like I I didn't feel like I was on my game and like I would still be given praise or accolades and I'd be like, okay, but that doesn't mean that I get complacent. Like I keep doing the work here because there's something that needs to be improved. That's something that I've seen with you as long as I've known you. A quality that I really appreciate about you as a friend, but also like being in this relationship and having mm-hmm. having somebody who's 
I don't want to say you're never comfortable. Like we definitely have those moments where you like sit back and just kind of like enjoy, but you're also like, you're not complacent and you're really willing to hone in even when things are going well, like how can things be better? And that's a, it's a mentality that we share mm-hmm. um, that I think is pretty unique in how it like, how we find harmony. Yeah. And something that I, I just, I don't know. It's something that I really treasure mm-hmm. about us. I don't know. It, it's just one of those things that like always finding a way to like, I don't want to never, I don't want to get to a point where I'm never happy right. with what I'm doing. Like if I, you know, do something that I, I want to be able to be proud of what I can do, but I also want to see like, what can I do differently next time? Or how Absolutely. can I make this even better? Um, yeah. That it's like this quest to set the bar higher and yeah. and that doesn't mean that you don't sit back and go like man i've reached i i reached the bar that i set for myself yeah like you definitely celebrate that moment but you go okay what's next yep and it's not anxiety or self-doubt that moves the bar it's excitement and joy that moves the bar yeah and like an an awareness that the bar can in fact be moved it's kind of nuts to hear you describe all of this like yeah. the, through I feel this, like I've been talking so much there's I mean there's a good 45 minutes worth of dog show uh yeah minutia that uh <laughs> that I but I think like not only is it interesting like you have a lot of just uh of knowledge of the of this it's not an industry well maybe industry I don't know maybe that's the right word um but it's this, a subset of the population sure I like you you have a lot of world. foundational knowledge here but it speaks so clearly to your personality and how you've developed and the v- things that you value mm-hmm. because it's not just like, oh, I show dogs and it's fun and I like puppies. Like right. you enjoy the sport of it. You enjoy oh, yeah. the competition. You enjoy understanding what it takes to like get to this place, like the amount of work that it takes, the the realistic relationships that you have with the the partner in that ring. Um, and just the like the life lessons that you've taken away, like it's amazing hearing you say all this stuff and like it's not even just like empty words that you use. Like I think some people would be like, oh, man, doing this experience taught me so much. Mm-hmm. But I can see you living out these different experiences uh, and these lessons that you've learned in your day to day life. Like there's so much here where I'm just kind of like, shit, I can point to specific yeah. moments, uh, which is like. It's really incredible to see like how much of an impact oh, yeah. this, this has made on you. This has shaped me probably more than anything else. Yeah. Um it also was like hard because in order like in order to be competitive, I was showing more weekends than not. Yeah. From the fifth grade. No. Yeah. From the fifth grade through my senior year of high school. So yeah. it impacted my ability to really have a social life with people my own age. But I do think it probably taught me to grow up in certain ways as much as a kid can um, because I was around adults a lot. And the other thing that I think, and I can't believe I haven't touched on this yet, is, <laughs> is it, it has brought so many generous people into my life. Yeah. Like I told you about Patty, she just gave me a dog. Yeah. That was the first time someone just gave me a dog. That has not been the last time someone has just given me a dog. Yeah. Um, 
when I moved to Illinois, one of the first friends, I guess, that I made were through the dog show community. Um, Bernie's Mountain Dogs at the time when I was like 13 or 14 weren't incredibly popular dogs. And I went to a show uh, with my Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and I saw this couple walking a Bernie's Mountain Dog puppy. And I was like, oh, I have a Bernie's Mountain Dog. Like I was like very excited to meet them. And and they were like, you know, yeah, OK, sure, kid, whatever. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, you know, and I show them. Da, 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 da. So that was Glenn and Deb and Glenn and Deb have been in my life ever since. So since I was 13 years old. Yeah. 16 years. Um, they have been in my life and they took a chance on me that weekend and they were like, oh, you know, Glenn's like six, two. And he's the he's the person who shows in the relationship um, and in confirmation, at least. And they were like, well, we have this, you know, this tiny this tiny bitch, um, because that's the that's the technical term <laughs> who needs to be shown. And like you're you're a small child. So, you know. We haven't been having a lot of luck. Why not? And like they had no idea what my handling skills and capabilities were, like if I was even worth it, if I was a a decent person to work with. They just like decided to give me an opportunity and I and I won with her. I got points on her the first time we ever showed this. And this was Mickey. We ended up I ended up getting Mickey as as like my dog Mm -hmm. um, after she was done showing. And like from that point forward, they were like, oh, Okay. Yeah. Like, let's do this. You walk the walk. Mm-hmm. And like, and it is something that, like, I will say, it just like it comes naturally to me. It's something that just I understand, and I also I want to be good at it. Um, and I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Um, and this is a particularly timely topic for me because, uh, as you mentioned, I had a dog show this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Glenn and Deb um, are in their mid-60s now, and they are retiring and moving to New Mexico this year. And they have been like the source of my, of, of my opportunity to, to continue to pursue this sport because it's just not realistic for me to have my own dog. Like, I couldn't buy one if I wanted to or take care of it if, it ha- if something happened, let alone like just like the maintenance and care that a dog needs. I know that like you're not in a place where you want a dog or a or any animal nope. right now. Emphatic, no shaking head. Nope. Um, <laughs> nope. And and I respect that and understand it. Um, but yeah, they just told me like a few weeks ago that they yeah. that they officially like somebody put an offer on the place at their asking price, and they closed literally two days ago on the place, and so they are moving. Um, they've got like a puppy on the ground, and so that's the only reason why they're still around. Um, that pu- that those puppies, I saw them yesterday. Oh, it's just the best. They're like f- they're like a week old, and they're just, just very tiny, and they just oh, they like deaf and blind, and just <laughs> completely helpless. But they're just, <laughs> but they're just they're so warm and sweet and like yeah. trusting. Like they they you pick them up and they nuzzle you because they like they're like you're here for me. Yeah, like um, and nuzzling is like that vulnerability. Their thing. That vulnerability is yeah. like you know. They're like, I have no choice but to be, to trust that you're, you're, you're here for me. 
and and like newborn puppy smell is really good. Um, it's just really it's really wonderful. And so like yesterday, um, I went out and I was I was out on the show site by myself because it was only one dog, and so they didn't need to come with me. And I. I was I got a little emotional and I even can feel myself getting a little emotional now. This has been such a huge part of my life, like even through my adulthood, even though it hasn't been every weekend. I was showing dogs through college in Wisconsin and I was showing dogs during like the year off that I took in between like, you know, my last year of school and in uh, like even in sprout and like you know i've been on the board of our club and i'm helping out with our national this year and and it's just the end of an era if anybody listening to this is in like the greater chicago area and has a dog that they need shown hit me up man like you know you're gonna it's gonna be like a drug fix at a certain point it's like just need to show a dog please yeah and it's just like you know this year they've been slowing things down and i felt it yeah um and so it's it's been like i haven't really been processing it to be honest yeah and I have a feeling that, like, I'm going to stop recording this. And I'm going to start immediately processing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's hard um, because I it is so core to my identity. Uh, and I love it so much for what it is and how it makes me feel in every present moment and for who it, how it has informed who I am. It's kind of crazy to see you get so emotional about this because you're not like I, you're it's not like you're devoid of emotion, but you don't process. They don't process through tears. Typically. Yeah, typically not. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's, that's my job. Like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> they yeah. just can't, this is how I do. But to see you like feel this so deeply, and I'm not trying to make you cry, but like to, there's something like really special about seeing something that like means so much to you. And so I know like it's a, a really like bittersweet, and difficult thing but it's also really this is something that's going to last for so long mm-hmm. like oh, it's going to follow I'm you for so long forget it ever yeah. i if i forget 20 years of my life that is quite that is alarming yeah no but i, I think <laughs> the the far-reaching impact and like how this is going to shape like how it shaped your life and how it's going mm-hmm. to continue to shape your life oh yeah whether it's lessons learned or just lifelong friends that you've made right in Glenn and Deb especially oh yeah i would say i would say probably like it's i'm i'm definitely like a several acquaintances very few close friends kind of person and they yeah. are definitely i mean they're family to me yeah um they're more family than my family in some ways yeah and so like it's so funny because like people will talk about how like their family sells their childhood home and like or their family move like their parents move away and it's hard and i was just kind of like bye mom and dad like you know like this is what you need to do i'm totally a-okay with it and with them i'm like oh my god like and and like it goes so far as like they have two cars and they're driving down and i was like please i will drive with you like let let me me, drive to new mexico let me help with this like let me help you get settled in the new not in the new place they have like a vacation home in new mexico but like let me get you settled in the home and like i want to be part of this 
Yeah. And so it's just like, you know, and so apart from dog shows, like I love them too. Of all of the things that we've talked about thus far, podcasts, soul cycle, video games, <laughs> Myers Briggs, like this is definitely the thing I love the most. And it's hard saying goodbye to it. And like I dream about the day when like I have the home and the lifestyle that will afford me the privilege of going out and doing this again with my own dog. And I really hope that I keep that promise to myself. But even if I don't, like, this thing is so weird. <laughs> and, and so, and like, while it is available, it is still a very small community considering the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel so lucky to have been a part of it. I know it's hard to distill 19 years of something into a target mm-hmm. <laughs> of an hour. Yeah. Um, but I think you did a, a really solid job, like the passion for this, like yeah. the, the sort of like the deep, true love that you feel for it in the parts like because there are parts that you described, which are like not great. You know, mm-hmm. they're challenging yeah, or the, frustrating. Exactly. Or... But the fact that there's something that like, despite all of that, that work and that that experience and doing that for 19 years mm-hmm. is totally worth it. And I think that's a, a really special thing. Definitely. Um, I mean, I think that there are like literally two things that I have done for that long that I still do, that I still love. I think for me, it's just a matter of like, If you find that thing for yourself, even if it's weird and obscure, if your child finds that thing for themselves, even though it's weird and obscure, there is likely value in it and something to be learned. So if there's anything like if like this has made you feel anything or makes you excited or is relatable in any way for you or for like someone in your life. I mean, just support that person and try to help them distill those lessons and like pursue your passion, man. I think, I mean, this is a really good example of a hobby or a passion or something doesn't like it can seem inconsequential. Mm -hmm. But even if it is that hobby, that passion, that game, that whatever. Yeah. Like being able, I think if it's something that like truly sticks with you like if if there's a draw there it probably says a lot more about you and that can be good or bad but i think there's a lot of like there's a lot of positive things to look at and like even your hobby that you don't really think that much about like being Mm -hmm. able to kind of be introspective and think critically about that is an important skill and, and something that we should do to really understand like what that says about us and how we approach Mm -hmm. And that self-assessment and that self-awareness is good if that thing that matters to you is a positive or a negative thing, right? And I hope that it's positive. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to learn so much about you today. Like even just little, (laughs) well, I I know it sounds kind of weird. Or like to have things clarified. No, like it's the, I think there's, in this question, I don't know exactly how I expected it to go, 
but there's so much here that explains so much of your perspective. Like there's mm-hmm. there's so much history there. Um, and I don't know. I really love that it opened up all of these different vantage points. And I don't think everybody listening to this will have the same experience that I have because like this there are is, things that I know. They're know just knowing yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Like but I have like I have this this knowledge that now I get to supplement with all of these extra little things. So it mm-hmm. was a really a really nice thing. Thank to you go so through. much for asking me about this. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to share it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If you ever want to talk dogs, people <laughs> I'm your girl. Hit me up in the DMs on Twitter. (laughs) Or if you have my phone number, you can text me. Don't encourage that. Who knows how popular this gets. You don't want people to hunt down your phone number. No, I don't want them to hunt them down. I'm just saying if you already have it. (laughs) If you're one of those special people. Yeah. there's The privileged few. And several vendors at work. (laughs) Hit us up on Twitter. Special thanks to Jackson Davis, whose song, Same As You Wanted, is our intro and outro music. Check out his EP, 701, anywhere you listen to music. You can get in touch with us through our website, thismuchlove.com, and via Twitter, at thismuchlove. Our DMs are open. Tell us about something you love. I think that's it, right? It feels like a nice little bow. 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 Bow wow. Bow is in space.